Joe Pags Show. To talk to Joe, call 888-941-PAGS. And now, it's Joe Pags. Great to have you. Thanks a lot for stopping by. We've got uh, Sheriff David Clark, retired, Milwaukee County, Wisconsin. Bottom of the hour. Make sure you stick around for that. He's got a lot to say about Uvalde. He's got a lot to say about being canceled in Oregon. He was invited to Oregon to speak for a couple of hours at some police association. And because there were some complaints about his politics, they've decided to disinvite him. We talk about that at length. Plus, he's got a 501c4 that he's doing in Wisconsin. We'll talk about that as well. We get into what would he do if he had the button to push? He just pushed the button and you fix the crime issue. What does that look like? How do you fix the crime issue? We'll have him on at the bottom of the hour. We've also got a PAGS parody. I'm not sure I'm going to play this hour. Probably next hour. Um, so make sure you stick around for that. It's about uh, Leah Thomas and the fact that Leah Thomas will not be swimming against the women internationally. Uh, all that and a whole lot more on a Tuesday. <laughs> yes, indeed. Hi. Hi. Carrie, how's it going? It's going. It is, mm-hmm. matter of fact. That's Polo making it happen. Got the red shirt memo today. Appreciate that. Sam getting it done. Oh, dude, dude. Sheriff Clark at the bottom. So I had one of my spies, one of my one of my insiders, Carrie, send me a um, a note that I guess the Senate has released whatever this bill is about guns. Okay. Can you do me a favor and see if there's somebody who's written up? Because this is a big, long thing. I'm not going to read the whole thing on the air. It's the actual bill. I'll read it after I get off the air to make sure I understand all of the ins and outs of it. Can you see if anybody's released anything on what it is that it says, what it would do? Mm, if you don't look. mind, please let me know. And uh, in the meantime, I do want to talk about some Supreme Court cases that are pending that um, should be decided soon. And these cases are going to tell us what direction the country is going in. If you, if you Just send me a note or let me know if you find anything that outlines exactly what it is they release, because as I click on it, it's like the big, long verbatim of exactly what's, what's in the bill. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, uh, and I, I mean, it, it, it would take me two hours to read the entire thing. But uh, it's a lot of the provisions that we've heard about. It's a lot of things that people will be unhappy about. The NRA has already sent out an email that I received that says they're against it. They're coming out against it. It would infringe on our rights somehow. So, um, yeah, if you, if you I, find something, let me know. All right. I, I have something. I don't know how specific they get. Is it get. brand new? How new yeah, is Yeah, this it? is from an hour ago. All right. Yeah, what do you have? Or even less than an hour ago from Politico. Senators released the long-awaited text of their bipartisan gun safety bill Tuesday, setting up a possible floor vote on final passage by the end of the week. The four lead negotiators, Senator Chris Murphy, John Cornyn, Kirsten Sinema, and Tom Tillis, said the legislation would protect America's children, keep our schools safe, and reduce the threat of violence across our country. Our legislation will save lives and will not infringe on any law-abiding Americans' Second Amendment rights, the senator said in a statement. We look forward to earning broad bipartisan support and passing our common-sense legislation into law. The chamber is set to take procedural steps as soon as Tuesday evening to move the bill forward and meet negotiators' self-imposed timeline to pass the legislation before lawmakers leave Washington for their July 4th recess. The publication of legislative text marks a significant step forward for the gun safety package, which would amount to Congress's most significant response to mass shootings in nearly 30 years. While senators involved in the talks had hoped they'd finalize legislative language last week, 
Talks hit a snag over two problems, how to encourage so-called red flag laws, which allow the seizure of weapons from those deemed a danger to themselves or others, and closing what's known as the boyfriend loophole by broadening limits on firearms purchases by people who have abused romantic partners. This bill is not going to please everyone, Cornyn said Tuesday, but I believe the same people who are telling us to do something are sending us a clear message to do what we can to keep our children and communities safe. The legislation would change federal law so that if a person assaults a dating partner or a recent former dating partner, that would qualify as domestic violence. As a result, that person would be charged with a misdemeanor and unable to purchase a gun. Under the deal, that person's right to purchase a firearm would be reinstated after five years if he or she is not involved in any violent acts or felonies during that period. This would apply to people in this newly created category who are first-time offenders. I'm not sure I understand. I mean, this. It, it, yeah, I mean, it, there there aren't a whole lot of specifics other than this. Not really. Boy, it, this domestic partner thing. I mean, you know, it, does it say anything specific about how it keeps kids? They keep going to right. keep the kids and the community safe. Does In it say how? Addition to closing the boyfriend loophole, the bill provides grants for states to implement red flag laws or other crisis intervention programs, as well as changes the background check system to include additional scrutiny of juvenile records for gun buyers under the age of 21. The additional background check scrutiny would sunset after 10 years. The legislation also includes new spending for mental health treatment and school security. Yeah, no, no. I mean, health care treatment, yes, I'm for that. School security, yes, I'm for that. They need to spell out exactly what that looks like. The ability to take away somebody's Second Amendment right, if they're accused of domestic violence, uh, I'm hoping that they would have to be convicted of something, not just accused. And then there's a five-year leeway for some reason where you can't, or there's a five-year five, a five year recess where you can't buy a gun, which is protected by the Second Amendment. That's very odd. I don't know what this does for our veterans. A lot of veterans are earmarked to not be allowed to have a gun because some idiot made the decision that because they were in the war zone, they they have this issue to where they don't get a Second Amendment right. I've never understood that one. It's just a check mark on the VA you know list, which doesn't make sense. I don't like that there's any change whatsoever in gun laws. The changes should be in how we deal with mentally inca- in uh, incapable or uncapable people. Um, if you're if you're if you're incompetent to stand trial, then you should be incompetent to have your Second Amendment right because of mental illness, mental disease. These people should be put into some sort of a facility where they can't get out. Because if you're a free, liberated American, you've got a Second Amendment right that is granted by God and protected by, and restricted, the government is restricted um, through the protections in the Second Amendment. Why we're playing with the Second Amendment at all doesn't make any sense. Take care of those who are, are mentally incapacitated. Take care of those who have juvenile records that are felonious, and violent and not and don't hide these and expunge them when they turn 18. Um, when, when the police have 36 contacts with the bad guy, like in Parkland, make sure the bad guy isn't, isn't able to be anywhere near a school and, in fact, is in a facility somewhere. Th- this legislation sounds to me like it's going after my rights as an American to keep and bear and not necessarily after those who are the bad guys in society that ignore laws. Is there anything else in there that jumps out? I'm I'm looking. I'm trying to get something more specific. I'm trying to look at some other sources, but I really don't have anything. But, it, you know, everybody couches it with, and look at the 80-page text that they just sent. So Right, and that's yeah. what they do. They send out 80 pages when the show starts. There's nothing I can do. Yeah. I'm not going to read it on the air because that would, you know, get people to shut it off. We want to know what the crux of it is, and it sounds like they keep on saying we're, we're going to keep communities and children safe. 
And then like way down the line is we're going to also bolster school safety. The entire bill should be, here's what we're going to do to fortify our schools. Here's what we're going to do to, to make sure that these police have the proper training to go in and check the door to see if it's locked or not. If a bad guy makes entry. I mean, this, this is some reaction that is going to allow a domestic partner to allege something and then you lose your rights and then extra funding for red flag laws. I mean, what the, the whole red flag law thing is a problem. It is. You shouldn't need a red flag law. If somebody is a danger to himself or the community because he's done something that's unlawful, lock that ass up, either in a prison, in a jail, or in a mental facility. And then they can't get a gun. But instead, we're going to make some red flag law, and then it becomes arbitrary. Who decides whether I can or can't have? Because a lot of people listening right now might be liberal or Democrat and don't like the fact that I carry a gun. So they might lie and make something up, and then a red flag law might, might you know be instituted. Then I can't have a gun until I prove myself worthy of having a gun. Well, the Second Amendment doesn't say you have to prove yourself worthy of this right granted by God. It says I can keep and bear, period, Should, shall not be infringed. And here they are infringing it. You know, where is the court case about the First Amendment infringing their ability to burn down Minneapolis, infringing their ability to to burn down a police station, infringing their ability to kill 26 people because Black Lives Matter? I mean, at some point, we, we need to stand up and say, well, wait a second. None of these other rights that are given to us by God and protected against government tyranny. None of the other ones are under the, the, the sort of scrutiny that the Second Amendment is under, yet they keep on making these decisions. And I like John Cornyn. I'm not impressed by him being part of this. Cinema every once in a while does something that sounds intelligent, and then she does something like this. This isn't common sense. This isn't needed. What's needed is clamping down on mentally ill people getting a hold of guns. What's necessary is to make sure if somebody's a bad guy or a bad girl when they're a juvenile, we know about that once they become an adult. What needs to be done is to make sure that doors are locked and that, and that school resource officers will actually react and do something. What has to happen is we need to make sure that law-abiding citizens who happen to be teachers are carrying their guns and can kill a bad guy before they can kill your son or daughter. That's what has to be done. But instead, we're doing this feel-good crap just in time for them to go off on 4th of July break. Give me a break, dude. Now, I will check into this more later. I'm probably not going to read all 80 pages, but I will go to sources that I trust to find out exactly what's in this thing. But your knee-jerk reaction, your initial reaction to hearing that they they seem to think they've got something that's bipartisan and everybody will sign on to. Well, I've got a problem with a lot of what I've already heard. 888-941-PAGS, 888-941-7247, JoePags.com. Your thoughts when we come back. This is the Joe Pegg Show. Great to have you. Thanks. I appreciate you stopping by the Joe Pag Show. 888-941-7247. 888-941-7247. Do you think this is common sense gun legislation? Red flag laws, which are hard to explain. So do you have to convict somebody before they can lose? Or somebody just makes the allegation, then people can show up at your house and just take away your, your guns? No Second Amendment for you because somebody said so? How about this whole boyfriend loophole? Whatever the hell that is. So if you're involved in alleged domestic violence. Do you lose your guns? 
What if he or she is lying about it? They're just gone. And, and again, way down the list, hey, we got to keep uh, you know the kids in school safe. Okay, the whole legislation should be keeping kids in school safe. What does that have to do with domestic violence? What does that have to do with red flag laws? What does that have to do with uh, with all this other crap? Focus your attention on juvenile records, violent juvenile records, felonious juvenile records of these people. Don't expunge them when they turn eighteen. Know who they are. If they've got all sort dozens of contacts with police and they say things like, I want to be a school shooter, maybe lock them up at a facility somewhere. Maybe do that and have them mentally um, um, diagnosed. And if they're not okay to be out in public, not to themselves or the people around them, then you leave them locked up. I don't know why you're going after the gun. Go after the actor. Go after the person. It seems pretty simple to me. Your thoughts about what you're hearing about this new legislation, 888-941-7247, 888-941-PAGS, JoePags.com. want to hear from you. Superbeats awesome. You've been hearing me raving about them for a long time, years and years, as a matter of fact. They've transformed the energy levels of so many of those who watch and listen. It's not about coffee, not about candy, not about sugary energy drinks. The bottom line is it's, it's about doing something right for your health, your future, and your family's going to love that you're doing it as well. Check out Super Beats Heart Chews. They are delicious. They, they combine non-GMO beets with a great grapeseed extract. That just, the, the combination tastes amazing. I'm not sure how they do it, but they taste absolutely amazing. been telling you about them, as I said, for a very long time. Add two delicious plant-based Super Beats Heart Chews to your morning routine to promote heart-healthy energy for your entire day. No caffeine crash to worry about. Super Beats Heart Chews unique. Clinically researched grapeseed extract promote heart-healthy energy and normal blood pressure as part of a healthy lifestyle. Here's the deal. Go right now to JoeLovesBeats.com. We made it easy for you to get started. Got you up to 45% off plus free shipping at JoeLovesBeats.com. Hurry up. It's their best offer available anywhere right now. JoeLovesBeats.com up to 45% off. It's JoeLovesBeats.com. Make that happen and make it happen right now. We go to the phone line. It's going to be Don in Minnesota. Don, what's going on? Hi. Hey, Joe. Uh, years ago, my son, who was in junior high, uh, he made this little throwing star in metal shop and they charged him with a felony in junior high. Took me like six times to go to federal court in Minneapolis. And the judge who was sympathetic. He said, yeah, my uh, Sunday school teacher gave me a pocket knife, you know, but things are different now. And they're going to make an example of your son. He said, it won't affect him unless he wants to be a in law enforcement in the military. Then you can't get that reversed. It's kind of wild. Okay, so, so, you guys, so this was a red flag law or something else? Well, it's it's they charged him. They made an example of a dangerous weapon in school. Well, I mean, a throwing star, but sharp throwing kinda, star, is a dangerous weapon. I mean, there's no doubt. But I mean, again, well, he made it in school, and I crushed it right in front of the police chief with between my two fingers. It was right. made out of a seven F can. Okay. Well, well, then I mean, <laughs> without without a doubt, your son should not have been charged with some major crime. Then, did you get it expunged? Did you win in court? What happened? Well, yeah, we won in court, but even so, the judge said. Uh, it would affect him if he ever wants to be in the military or law enforcement. That doesn't ever go away. No, sure it does. If you won, it went away. If you won, then it doesn't follow him around. If you lost, then it would be on his record. Not going to be on his record if you won. 
Well, Unless he pled to something yeah. else. Did he plead to a lesser crime? No, no. He pled to no crime, but they it's, it can't be ever. The police can still see that. No, they can't. If he, if he is found not guilty, then it's gone. Uh, Don, I appreciate you. It's a specific case I don't know much about. But, um, no, if you go to court and you're tried on a, on, on a charge and, you, and you're found not guilty, that's it. It's gone. Bye. Have a nice day. They, 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 they can't hold that against you. You're innocent until proven guilty. So I don't know enough about the case. Maybe there are some idiosyncrasies that I'm not sure about. But that doesn't really apply to what we're talking about. Uh, Las Vegas, Timber, what's going on? Hi. Yes, sir. Uh, I completely agree um, with our Second Second Amendment rights and with our Constitution, for sure. Um, And, you know, we don't infringe other rights like our First Amendment. You know, we do put restrictions on them. There's some things that you just can't be running around saying. Um, Otherwise, you pose a risk to people. Right. But um, that this sad, sad situation in Uvalde, you know, that fellow said some things that, if he would have been red flagged, then he wouldn't have had those weapons that he legally bought, and he shouldn't have. You know, so we've got to find some harmony between making sure that our rights aren't infringed, while at the same time putting a stop to those those situations. Now, I wholeheartedly disagree with any red flag laws. Again, red flag the person. Not not his Second Amendment rights. In other words, lock him up in a mental institution if he's not somebody who can be out there in public dealing with himself or other people and their safety. Um, from what I understand, there's some some record of him doing horrible things to animals uh, back in the day. I don't know how he was able to buy six or seven thousand dollars worth of weapons and um, and ammunition. Nobody's talking about that. So um, again. Saying something like he should have been red flagged sounds like it's common sense, but it's it's also minority report. It depends on what it is that has to be said or done to get you to have your Second Amendment rescinded. And without due process, it should never happen. That's why I'm going to have to read this legislation and see exactly how they do it. Let me say hello to um, uh, Frank in Florida. Frank, uh, what's going on? Hi. I hung up on Frank by accident. Clarence, Texas, what's going on? Hi. Hey, Mr. Pegg, uh, it's about the red flag laws. I'm yeah. totally, totally opposed to it because of the due process. It's an ex parte process, which leaves out the accused in the hearing before the judge. So uh, it, if as a, I'm a retired peace officer, we yeah. used to have these emergency peace officer protective orders where we could grab the person and put them into a mental institution for a 72-hour hold. And I don't know why that's not even being discussed. None of that has come up where if that person is – uh, a threat to others and society, then maybe he needs to be evaluated and and picked up. Well, how is it due process? How is it due process? Gun- Hold on. How is it due process if they adjudicate the case for a red flag violation without the person there? How how is that fair? It, it's not. Yeah. That's the point. I mean, uh, anybody could point a finger at you. They come take the guns, and you're still there in the public. And if you're that much of a threat to society, you could come up with any other plan to do harm. So don't take the property away and leave the guy out there. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Solve the issue. Yeah, no, exactly right. And I appreciate what you're saying. And thanks for being a peace officer for as long as you were. The the bottom line is that we're trying to regulate the rights instead of regulate the person. If the person has shown that he or she is, is in some way a threat to the community or to themselves, well, then we should have processes in place to make sure that they get the proper treatment. This isn't about taking away somebody's God-given right protected by the Constitution. This is some weird end around. It's very odd. When we come back, it'll be Sheriff David Clark. Do not miss this. We're coming back. Don't be an A-Dub. Stay with the Joe Pag Show. 
Great to have you along for the ride. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Always a pleasure to have this man on. He is America's sheriff. He's a friend of mine, has been for a long time. It's former Sheriff David Clark. David, how are you? Good to see you. I'm doing great, Joe. Good to be on with you. It's been too long. It has been way too long. So there's a whole lot going on. Crime is out of control in this country. I want to talk about what you would do if you had the the finger on the button, if you could do something. But I want to start with a bit of controversy, which uh, you say, well, it's Oregon, so maybe that's why. But I'm confused. You were all set to speak at a police organization in Oregon, and they canceled because... I don't know, they think that you've got radical views or something? I'm not sure I understand. You're one of the preeminent law enforcement officers we have in this country, and you have been for 30 or 40 years. I'm not, I'm not really sure why any police organization would not want you to come and speak in the hopes of cutting down on crime, which Oregon certainly is seeing its, its share of. What, what went down with this? What organization was it? Yeah, let's sort this out. It was the Oregon State Resource Officer Association, which okay. is a... Uh, uh, an entity that tries to get support for school resource officers. And as you know, Joe, there's been nobody in the United States of America that's been a bigger supporter of law enforcement uh, than myself. And they invited me to speak at, at their uh, uh, annual meeting. And the newspaper got involved, the Oregon, whatever the, the name, name of the newspaper. And I wrote a negative story. How could you have this guy uh, uh, come here? You know, Oregon's ground central for Antifa and this far leftist movement. So, you know, Portland's there. Uh, that's not too surprising. But I was disappointed that they caved to the woke mob. And the guy who I uh, talked to kind of admitted that in, in several email exchanges. He said the woke mob got to us. Uh, they were threatening our sponsors, so on and so forth. But it's times like this that you have to stand strong and you have to push back. And the fact that they didn't do that for, and you know, they said, you know, a lot of our, our officers were looking forward to having you come here and speak. Now they're upset with us. So, but you know, it's a decision they get to make, but I hate when people cave to the woke mob. Well, it doesn't make any sense. The woke mob hates the police. So why would police ever side with them? Do you think that these organizations, David, understand that even if they give in, the woke mob is not going to then say, hey, we love police now. They still hate them. And they're still going to continue to hate them and defund the police and let's do some uh, the chop and let's do Chaz and and let's have Antifa overrun the entirety of this state in Oregon. Why, why exactly would they give in? All they had to say was, screw you. Clark is coming. Deal with it. Yeah, that's what they should have said. But, yeah. you know, it takes courage. Um, you know, you're right. It's it's You can't appease the, the woke mob. You cannot appease them. The more that you give in to them, the more they want. Yes. Ronald Reagan used to say, when you cave in and you become scared of, of things like that, all you're doing is hoping that the alligator eats you last because the alligator is still going to get you. Yeah, exactly right. It's David Clark, americassheriff.com. That's his website. Um, Sheriff, you've got another website that you want to put out there. What, what is it? Yeah, it's riseupwisconsin.com. Okay. Riseupwisconsin.com. Uh, incorporated. I'm the, the president. It's a 501c4. It's a conservative grassroots organizing effort here in the state of Wisconsin. So go to the website, poke around, and donate to it if you can. Yeah, uh, make sure that you, you stop by and go do that. One of the preeminent law enforcement officers we've had in this in this country over the past 30, 40 years. When we look at what's going on with police and with communities, it's not getting any better. Um, like we just talked about in Oregon, they're just capitulating. They're giving in to the woke crowd instead of saying law and order really does matter. And I want to take something very specific into account, and I wonder what your thoughts are. As we watch um, the Supreme Court getting ready to probably overturn Roe v. Wade, you've got people in neighborhoods 
being loud, starting trouble. One guy got arrested. His plan was to kill Kavanaugh. You've got all sorts of, uh, of garbage going on in neighborhoods. And the federal government, federal police agencies are allowing them to do so. David, when it comes to the First Amendment, does that give somebody the right to be loud, obnoxious, keep neighbors awake, um, uh, go and make noise uh, and disrupt people's peace in their own neighborhoods? I mean, the, the, the First Amendment isn't just without any, any guidelines, is it? Well, sure it is. You know, and, and there's, there's no place in our Constitution for that sort of thing. What it is, Joe, and you know this, it's intimidation. We're trying to intimidate the other side. That's not protest. It's not covered by the First Amendment. I'm real disappointed that the United States Department of Justice, the FBI, under Merrick Garland, Attorney General, has stood flat-footed. All we get is a shoulder shrug as abortion clinics are burned and, and, and um, uh, vandalized, as Supreme Court justices are uh, threatened. You know, there's a federal law and a federal code. You cannot pro- You can't even protest outside the house of a Supreme Court justice with the intent to intimidate or influence a ruling, and that's exactly what they're doing here. Not one arrest has been made, except for the guy who who threatened, uh, who went from California out to, uh, I think it's Northern Virginia, might be in Maryland where where Kavanaugh lives, uh, with the intent to to kill him before he was stopped, but it shouldn't get that far. But the fact that they let them protest when there's a violation of federal law, very disheartening. Well, well, it is. Uh, they're violating federal law. They're out there. They're, they're doing. They're intimidating Supreme Court justices. But this, for some reason, the federal government has to do something. Uh, David, can local law enforcement, as far as you know, do something to stop these protests, or is this something that the, that the DOJ has to step in and do? Well, local law enforcement can. They have their own state statutes in Maryland, Northern Virginia. Um, but when it comes to Washington D.C. Uh, and enforcement of the federal statutes has got to be the uh, the federal agency, and that would be the FBI. But again, you know, we're getting a wink and a nod uh, in terms of the rhetoric coming out of the U.S. DOJ. They'll they'll give the standard: we won't tolerate this. Blah blah blah. Yes, they will, as long as it's the uh, the left pulling this stuff. But then you look at what's going on with January sixth and how they're handling that. That is what they actually should be doing to these people who are threatening members of Congress, threatening Supreme Court justices, disrupting these sort of things, violating the federal code. That's what we need to have enforcement on. It is uh, Sheriff uh, David Clark, retired in Milwaukee County, Wisconsin. He is americasasheriff.com. Go to that website, support everything that he does. Um, it, it, what's interesting to me is we're watching a, a real dichotomy in this country right now. And if we want to talk about what police should and shouldn't be doing, it's kind of hard to really uh, encapsulate it that way because police really are having their hands tied, whether they be Border Patrol agents or, or NYPD officers. They don't really know what they can do and what they can't do right now. And I think that that, that sort of dis-ease or unease when it comes to law enforcement probably causes like what happened in um, here in Texas, not very far from where I sit. When you had a bad guy show up at a school, you had 19 cops in the hallway that didn't go into the door, that didn't go in and take this guy on, almost as if they were waiting for some sort of uh, um, a higher power to tell them what to go and do. David, is there a problem with this whole anti-police movement that we've had in this country ever since Obama was in office for my money? Uh, is there a problem with police officers in the back of their heads thinking, I should do this, but maybe but maybe I'm not going to. It's going to put me at risk. A Border Patrol agent, I should do this, but I'm not going to do this because I might end up locked up because this DOJ is upside down. Is that in the back of police officers' minds, do you think, that they're not going to get the support they should get? Without a doubt. Look, these cops don't want to lose their careers, lose their jobs, see it go up in smoke because of, you know, nine, ten 
seconds from a uh, cell phone, cell phone uh, video camera. That's not the entire incident. Right. Um, and, you know, and then you're facing federal indictment, for heaven's sakes. It's not worth it. They got mortgages to pay. They got college tuitions to pay. They got mouths to feed at home. And, uh, you know, these guys want to walk their, their, their daughter down the aisle someday. And the women, you know, they want to uh, see their son get married. They're not going to risk all of that for, like I said, nine seconds of uh, video camera. And so they've been neutered, Joe. And they're not as aggressive as we need to be. They're second-guessing themselves. Because I always tell cops when I see them, trust your judgment. Well, right now, the judgment's clouded with when they watch what's going on all across America, this war on cops, which is still alive today. Yeah. So you see some of this stuff. And, yeah, you know, the cops should do something. They should do more. They figure it's not worth it. I can't blame them. It's it's crazy to watch. You've got people in Congress, the squad, and people in the extended squad who are anti-police, anti-cop, cops are bad, defund the police, and they've all got tens of thousands of dollars every month in in personal security. It's like, you know, what's good for me is not good for thee or, or, or the, the other way around. Um, uh, my community should not be safe. My kids shouldn't be safe in school. Yet you've got squad members walking around with paid security keeping them safe. And these people, of course, are armed. you got a real dichotomy happening right now. What should we do about that? If you had your finger on the button, how do you solve the problem of people who think that they're elite and more important than you and me getting personal security, but my kids shouldn't have it in school? Yeah, well, you know, I'm real big on self-defense. And so, you know, what I used to advise the people in my county when I was a sheriff, you're the first line of your own defense. Be prepared. Um, you know, it's a tough time right now because, you know, we, we got past that every person for themselves when it comes to enforcing the law. And what we did was we agreed as a society to let the state handle it. Yeah. All right. Um, that worked for a while, but it's falling apart right now. And so the best thing that people can do is be prepared to defend yourself if you have to. Start thinking about this up front. You know, for those states that have a uh, carrying concealed license, take some training, uh, take the classes. You know, look into firearms purchases. By the way, firearms purchases are off the charts right now because people are sensing this. They're like, you know, when the cops are needed uh, and, and minutes matter or seconds matter, the cops are minutes away. And, you know, we're going back to that time where every person was their own enforcer of the law. And that's not good. It's too chaotic. But, again, I don't blame people because that's the way I think right now, Joe. Most places I go, public places, I'm armed. Now, of course, you know, I'm a retired law enforcement officer. I right. have a federal concealed carry. I can carry in any, all 50 states. Everybody can't do that, but everybody should have the ability, but they don't. But within your state, look at the laws and just be prepared to defend yourself. You know, that it's an elitist attitude that these people have running around with. You, you mentioned paid security, paid for by the taxpayers. Right. right. And it's sick because they're, they're good and safe. And when Cori Bush was asked about this, she said, what, I should die? It was a, it was the strangest, weirdest thing that I shouldn't have personal security to keep my, my family and myself safe, yet she should because if I don't want her to have it, she should die. It's very, very odd. It's Sheriff David Clark. Go to americasheriff.com. Give me that other website again, David, if you don't mind. RiseUpWisconsin.com. RiseUpWisconsin.com. Go there and check out the 501c4 um, and, and find out more about what's happening there. What's interesting when it comes to Uvalde, and, and, and I want to talk about that in, in a sense, but almost in a, in a general way as well, 
it's like the police officers who went there were afraid to make a mistake. And as they were afraid to make a mistake, people were dying inside the room. They didn't even try the doorknob. We found out yesterday that a study shows they didn't even try the doorknob. They said it was locked. It wasn't locked. The, the bad guy walked in. They never tried it. They waited in the hallway. 19 cops, David, for 40 minutes waited in the hallway as kids were being killed inside the classroom. Is this a lack of training? Is this them afraid because that they'll make the, the wrong move and, and then be somehow um, you know, the targets of, of the woke crowd? Why do you think that 19 cops don't go in? I think a lot of them wanted to, but the commander on the scene kept on saying don't. And then finally you had a Bortac guy show up and said, screw you, I'm going in and killed the guy. So what do you think goes on there? Can you assess something like that afterwards? Well, it's hard, but first of all, there's supposed to be an after-action report after a major incident like that, and then you get this timeline, what they did, what they didn't do, what they can do better next time. We haven't seen that yet. This information is trickling out, drip, 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 a little at a time, so it's hard to make a full analysis of what went wrong yeah. uh, in that situation. But let's face it, you know, I don't make excuse for poor police work. Let's We can at least say this was not the finest hour for that police department. You had right. a failure of leadership. You had a chief there who says, no, I wasn't in charge. I don't know who was. You know, everybody's pointing uh, in the opposite direction. Right. So we, we still don't know totally what the hell happened there uh, in the minutes after the, the shots were being fired. And until then, it's kind of hard to assess other than, you know, you look at the stuff that's dripping out of there and you go, man, this is, this is horrible. This is uh, unacceptable. But I need to see the full after-action report, and by now, we ought to have one. Well, they're slow-walking it. It's been almost a month. It's been it's been three days shy of a month, and we're just now finding out the door wasn't locked. We're just now finding out that the 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 the, the guy who was the commander in charge didn't have his radio on him. The school resource officer wasn't there, uh, but there were three cops that initially engaged this guy, and that was before most of these kids and these teachers were killed. They could have done something to stop him, at least die trying. Uh, and it's easy for me to say, as I sit here on the radio and on television, I get that. But David, is there a proper training that isn't happening when it comes to defending a school, defending a hospital? defending you know some sort of a, a, a Walmart or a shopping center what aren't we learning what aren't we getting that we keep on hearing that that there are mass killings that after the fact we find out had had proper protocol been taken you might have been able to minimize how many people died well this is the training issue and I hate when people I'm not saying you're doing this but we hear this all the time you know training training we need more training we need more money for training now this is decision making for heaven's sake you can train all you want but unless you practice uh, training continually, you're not going to get good at it. And so we put these people in these highly tense situations where information is rapidly evolving and changing in real time. Yeah. And your decision making gets clouded, for heaven's sakes, because we don't really put the focus on decision making, which really has nothing to do with training. But okay. look, Joe, we signed up for this. When I say we, I still consider myself a law enforcement officer, retired now. We signed up to put ourselves in harm's way so other people wouldn't have to. So when the shooting is going on, you don't have time to set up, to wait for equipment, wait for ballistic shields, ballistic helmets, wait for your, your high-powered weapons. It's go time. You take what you have and at your sidearm, and you have to put yourself in between that shooter and the victims who are not armed, who are kids, even if they were adults, right. who have no chance. But at least you have a sidearm. Again, that's decision-making, but until I see this after-action report, yeah, you know, you and I, we can sit up here, and how come they didn't do this, and they should have done that, uh, and, and eventually we'll get there. But again, once this is said and done, one of the mistakes made is to plan for future events. You can't plan from the last event. Gotcha.
look at this futuristically. It's uh, Sheriff David Clark. Uh, Sheriff, in the, about a minute that we have left, if you had a button you could press to start solving the problem of crime, especially in these blue um, big cities around the country, whether it be Philadelphia, Chicago, New York, San Francisco, L.A., whatever it happens to be, what, what would you do? What's the first thing we need to put in place that we don't have in place right now, other than stop attacking police and, and actually assist them in doing their job? What can we do to, to start letting the bad guys know this isn't going to play anymore? First of all, they have to reverse these these mayors and, and, and prosecutors and elected officials have to reverse themselves on these woke um, criminal justice experiments because that's what they are. You know, no bail and over-reliance on probation, uh, watered down sentences in exchange for pre- plea bargain and go back to order maintenance strategies, broken windows policing. You get everybody moving in the same direction. Everybody is the police, the prosecutors, the courts. Joe, we were doing this up until about... 10 years ago, and it led to historic lows in violent crime all across the country. We don't have to reinvent the wheel here. Stop the nonsense. Go back to what works, and this stuff will, will, will be in decline again. And is it a matter of, of stop vilifying the police as well? It's got to be, because police, it has to be in the back of their mind. If I do this, I'm going to be attacked. I'm going to be out of a job, and my life's going to be over. Yeah, that's resource allocation. These agencies have been cut. They're funding, defunded. Uh, officer vacancy positions, and that's going to take time. That's the long-term one, but the short-term one, like I said, take the resources you have and apply order maintenance strategies. Stop question and frisk in these high crime areas. Stop with the nonsense of community policing. That's all I'm hearing from these chiefs, these woke chiefs. We need to do more community uh, community policing, to which I say, no, you need to do more crime fighting. AmericaSheriff.com and Sheriff David Clark, retired in Milwaukee County, Wisconsin. I appreciate your time, my friend. Thank you so much. Be well. All right, brother. We're back after this. Stay right here. This is the Joe Pag Show. Always a pleasure to have uh, Sheriff Clark on. Make sure you go to americassheriff.com. We appreciate him stopping by, and he's got some great ideas on how to fix things. I hope that somebody's listening that can actually implement this stuff. Keep it here. We've got a PAG parody next hour and much more coming your way. The Joe PAG Show. Stay here. This is the Joe PAG Show.